Hello, barbarians, and welcome to Alone and Unprepared in Waterdeep, where we modify Waterdeep Dragon Heist to be a solo adventure with little to no prep. I'm Rainy. I'm Santiago. And last time, well, I mean, last time wasn't really an actual play episode. It was a recap episode. True, but last time we played. But last time. Yeah. You had been tasked with finding Volo's friend, a man named Floon. You were directed to go to a bar in the Docks District, the last place Volo had seen him. And... From there, you were able to gather information, directing you to a warehouse on Candle Lane, looking for a certain serpent-like symbol over the door. Yeah, and Volo was kind of a foppish lord or similar who came into the yawning portal looking for me, for me, to hire me. Is that, is that right? Well, he came in looking for an appropriate adventurer, and Durnan directed him to you for your ability to find people. Okay, so I'm taking some notes here. Uh, a fop who wanted to hire a bounty hunter or similar PI type and was directed to me by who, Durnan? Yep. Yeah, Durnan. Okay. Durnan is the proprietor of the Yawning Portal. Much love to Dernan for the referral. He's not getting a bird dog, though. A.K.A. a finder's fee for the uninitiated. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Gloom envelops a narrow alley as dark as a dungeon, as odorous as one, too. Nearly all the street lamps here have been smashed. The only light that pierces the darkness is a faint flickering from down the lane, like a distant candle. This is perfect, because it's going to allow me to utilize my stealth, enhanced by my small stature, to the best of my advantage. Alright. Is that even a phrase, the best of my advantage? I don't know. I might have just come up with that. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Pay attention, know your meme. You heard it here first. All right. I mean, why say fewer words when you can use more? I mean, exactly. That's right? the Santiago way. It's true. Talk too damn much. That's why I you started You need to make a, a t-shirt that just says like wordy you. as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. We could have two versions, wordy as fuck and then wordy AF. So you can right. like, you know what I mean? With lots of little text in between all of it because you're wordy. Like that would be the background. Yeah. yeah. I, I would probably have a problem writing the background. No, I don't think it should be background. I think it should be like small text that's obviously part of that sentence because like wordy AF isn't wordy enough. Oh, so it'd be like wordy because dude. why would you say fewer words when you could say more words that more accurately express the thing you're trying to say as fuck? That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good concept. I'll probably design that next weekend. Okay. That sounds okay. Good. Tangent over. <laughs> so here you are. I did tell you that many of the street lamps in the docks district were broken. But down this particular lane, this candle lane that you were directed to, there does seem to be no light except for one flickering flame at the end. Okay. So 
I'm just I've I've just been hired to find Floon. Is that right? Like yeah. find out where he is, what his situation is, and well, report he back wants to him Polo? returned in whatever state he's in. I, this is an escort quest. Sort of. I mean, if he can walk, sure. Okay. I mean, because I can't exactly alert the city watch to come. They don't come around these parts. This is a ghetto. This is a hood, son. This is not where the police come. Like right. so. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I found the the door with the uh, snake symbol on it. Is that correct? Well, I mean, we didn't talk about it in the recap, though. So I figured oh. we'd just redo that part. Perfect. Because it's just you walking down the street and seeing yeah. the door. Let's do it. I would say I'm more skulking from shadow to shadow, making, like, hush gestures with one hand behind me, trying to make uh, Scratch be less obvious. Okay. So go ahead and roll your stealth. Yeah, let's roll that stealth. Roll it, roll it. Where is my d20? Okay, here we go. And stealth. Shit. Nine. <laughs> okay. You are not as quiet as you tend to be, mostly because you're having to spend so much energy trying to get the bird to be quiet. Right? <laughs> like his feathers are ruffling. He's trying to like mimic your movements, but in a way that just makes him louder. His like toenails are clicking on the cobblestones. It's um it's a rough time. He's like quietly singing a song to himself that he's heard somewhere from some bard in the past. He's all like and I'm like drawing unnecessary attention to myself by like trying to wait. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of trampled on your theme there. That was awesome. Sorry about that. But I'm I'm drawing unnecessary attention to myself by like flapping a hand at him and shushing him. Like you know what I mean. Drawing more attention to myself. I could have just you know got my sneak on, and only he would have been the center of attention. But because of my vain efforts to conceal him, I'm drawing attention to myself. Luckily, however, there does not seem to be anyone in the alley at this time. At least you don't notice anyone taking any sort of, like, looking out windows or opening doors or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, just because he's not necessarily stealthy doesn't mean he's causing a ruckus. So I feel like it's just kind of normal sounds, especially at this time of night in this like district, the shutters are closed tight and everything is buttoned up. So, you know, there's not a whole lot of uh, prying eyes or listening ears to be had. So you get to the end of the lane without seeing the door that you're looking for. Um, you do note that the one street lamp that's intact at the end of the lane seems to be have a magical flame spell of some sort, keeping it illuminated. So it's not like an actual candle that's in there or anything, which may be the reason why it, it works. Mm -hmm. And looking at the kind of two buildings directly in the area of the remaining street lamp, you can see a black winged snake painted above the handle of a gate. So I will come to a stop, maybe behind a, a conveniently placed barrel or similar pile of refuse, what have you, mm -hmm. and peer around it at the door and 
motion for for Scratch to stop behind me in your standard holding a fist up symbol of, you know, stop. Okay. So Scratch stops and raises one fist to your fist and bumps against it lightly. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, I'll look back over my shoulder. Adam, what? No, he Scratch. Dang it. Look, look, I think we're where we need to be. Look, do you see the symbol over there? I think that's what we're looking for. And Scratch looks at the door and looks back at you and says, Or look for the symbol of the snake painted on the door. Looks like a symbol painted on the door to me, and it looks like a snake. Hmm. Let's see if there's a way we can get in without going in the front door. All right. So you are going to be looking around the building then. Mm-hmm. Also at adjacent buildings because sometimes there's um, clotheslines between buildings. Sometimes there are other lines between buildings. Not necessarily, I mean, obviously power lines and phone lines because that's not how we're rolling right now. All right. So what you notice is that there is a warehouse building, but it is behind, it's basically circled by a fence. Oh, okay. And so you see the symbol painted on the gate of the fence that leads to the warehouse proper. Oh, all right. The warehouse itself stands kind of at the back of this yard created by the fence. And go ahead and roll a perception to see if you can see from here what your possible entry options would be. Right. 15. And do you have dark vision? Yes. Okay. 60 feet. All right. So you can see from at least like kind of the front slash side of the building that you can see from the fence that there is a front door there's a loading door, like a larger gate-like door where wagons could be unloaded. And there is a window that's been painted over to kind of black it out. Okay. And how high is the fence? So the gate is low. Um, I mean, not for you, but it's about a four-foot gate. But the fence around it is like a six-foot fence. Hmm. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty high up for me. I'm only three foot four. <laughs> so I'm just a little guy. Um, if I had uh, a staff or similar, I could maybe pole vault over it. But other than that, I might have to go through the gate unless we could you know go around and see if there's like boxes or bales or similar stacked you know near the wall that could let me uh jump across or something yeah if you wanted to take the time you could probably locate enough things to stack up but you know it would probably take some sort of check to make sure that you know you didn't topple them on your way over mm-hmm and also, um, the gate, 
does it appear to be guarded or anything like that? You don't see anyone out here. Yeah, so I may as well just investigate, you know, the gate because that'd be a lot easier and a lot faster. So the direct route isn't often the best, but in this case, I think it probably makes the most sense. So I'm going to go up to the gate and uh, with, with much glancing over either shoulder for anyone watching and... And, and just check out the gate, see what, see what its deal is, see if it's locked, see if there are anything, anything about it that could be sprung by open it, opening it, you know, not necessarily traps, but security mechanisms and, sure. and similar. Go ahead and make an investigation check. And here we go. All right, 21. All right, so looking over this gate... You can see that it is kind of a split gate. It's wide enough so that wagons could come through if they needed to. And the symbol is painted on one side of the gate, um, on one side of that split. You can see the hinges are very well maintained. They're not rusty at all or anything like that. Uh, and it looks like a simple kind of push mechanism. You don't see any latches, locks, or devices attached to it. So if it's uh, four feet high, I should be able to hop over it pretty easily. Yeah, but, you could. Mm, I mean, I'm trying to think about that. Like, if someone was, you know, like, let's say five foot six, and they had a six foot fence... It might not be as easy as I'm thinking. I think instead I will just try to open it a crack and motion scratch through and then close it again. I don't want to leave any trace of my passing. Okay. So as you start to push on this gate, you notice that it swings open noiselessly. Hmm. That's handy. Yes, this is very well maintained to maybe not attract attention. Okay. I'll take the time to scurry over to the hinges and run a finger over it and sniff the, the oil and maybe taste it a little bit. Right. See if I can discern what type of uh, oil they're using as somewhat of a oil aficionado for masking squeaking hinges and similar and lubricating locks that I pick. Yep, so you can tell from its distinctive flavor <laughs> um, and for the region that you're in that they are using fresh whale oil to grease these hinges. And from the coloration and viscosity of this oil, you can tell that it hasn't been here very long, like it's reapplied regularly because it's not been discolored yet. Hmm. So I'll be uh, thinking about it as I discern these features with my oil palette and uh, mostly remarking to, to Scratch, but also to myself, hmm, vaguely bovine, not ranched, uh, about as, as she rubs her finger, thumb and forefinger together, about 17.3 viscosity. This is fresh whale oil. 
And as you kind of look up at Scratch to let him know what you're seeing, you note that his feathers along his arms are covered in grease <laughs> and his like dry little thumb tongue is like, like the top hinge <laughs> above your head as he's trying to like mimic what you're doing. <laughs> All right, stop that now. Let's go inside. So like I said before, you noted a door, a larger sort of unloading gate and some painted over windows. Okay. Now, Scratch, if they're smart, the windows are going to be painted from the inside. But not everyone's as smart as we are. Let's check out one of those windows. So I'm going to sneak up to one of the windows. All right, go ahead and roll yourself. Are you having Scratch go with you? Yes. This time, I rolled a 13. So did Scratch. Hey, nice. He's getting better. Yeah, perfectly mimicking your movements (laughs) and sounds. Um, You both approach the building, and you don't seem to notice any activity on your approach. And when you get to the window, as you suspected, it looks like they were painted from the inside Mm. by whoever was occupying the building. Yeah, I'm going to give them a scratch with one clawed fingertip to see if any of the paint scratches off and it does not feel that distinct smooth glass texture under my nail with no snag of paint or anything like that well as i suspected scratch they painted them from the inside we're gonna have to get in there if we want to see what's going on time to reconnoiter the grounds Um, so are you just like going to the doors and taking a look at them or what do you uh, want to do? I'm going to skulk around the, uh, perimeter of the building. Mm-hmm. Given that I'm not familiar with this building, I want to see if there are any other external entrances and exits and, uh, any windows that are maybe not painted over, uh, anything like that. Any, any windows that were missing a pane and hastily repaired with a plank of wood that could be removed or a piece of cloth, that sort of thing. Uh, just getting the lay of the land because, um, Laika has read books by Sun Tzu and she knows that you need to know the battlefield before you go in or whatever Sun Tzu's equivalent is. (laughs) (laughs) So as you kind of take a closer look at the building, what is obvious and what was obvious before is it is a two story building. So on this main floor, directly across from the gate, because this makes sense, is the larger loading door. So that, you know, wagons have a straight shot into the warehouse. Mm, Okay. And then from the gate to the left is the front door. So the building's kind of like a little L, if you want to think of it that way. So you have directly in front of you, the large loading gate, and then the front door to the side. And there is the window that you tested is near the warehouse door, the loading door. And then upstairs, you note there are a couple of windows up there as well. Um, They do either it's dark up there or they're also painted over. But on the street side of the building, there are windows. Um, Other things that you notice... Kind of looking around, you do see that the front door has a little sliding, 
like peephole sort of thing. Oh, like where you'd knock on it and then it would slide to the... Like a speakeasy thing, yeah. yeah. The password type of situation. Okay. And um, it's currently closed, obviously. And (laughs) the window that you scratched, like giving it a quick test shimmy, it does appear to be latched from the inside. Mm, mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the warehouse door, um, because it's kind of, you know, like barn style pull open doors, does have a chain and padlock keeping it closed. Okay. So we're going to have to see about getting inside. But those are all the entrances and exits. Yeah. So you see some windows on both floors, Mm -hmm. the front door and the main warehouse door, the wagon loading door. Cool. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and make an assumption here that the little speakeasy peephole is out of reach for me, given that it's probably at normal, quote unquote, height. How tall are you? Three foot, four inches. So you notice, and this is not uncommon in more metropolitan areas where a variety of species occur, that it's actually kind of halfway on the door. Like, so where a smaller race can tiptoe or stand on something to easily access it, and a larger race could stoop to access it. Okay. Very cool. So, um, I will remark to Scratch, as we examine this door, you know, it's a fun fact, Scratch. A lot of people don't like these things. It's pretty interesting, actually, because this is a pretty obvious flaw in security, but people just ignore it. And as I pull out, as, so we described her daggers in the first session that we had and how one of them is very classically goblin, very like jagged and, you know, with back serrations and jimping and that sort of thing. Right. And and very, very vicious looking. The other one is not really goblin-esque in that sense. It is basically a stiletto. Okay. And... That's the one that she pulls um, to poke into, delicately, gently, poke into the speakeasy peephole and see if she can slide the door aside just a hair, if it'll move at all. Because, like she said, a lot of people don't bother locking these things, and if they do, it's a pretty crude mechanism, and you can usually slide it just a hair enough to get a glimpse of what's going on right. the other way if it's unmanned. All right, so go ahead and make a dexterity check. Yeah, buddy. Here we go. I know you don't have any of that, so. Oh, no. I rolled a natural one. <laughs> so you kind of are going slowly to put the tip of that stiletto dagger into the peephole to try to like give yourself a little bit of an opening and Scratch is leaning closer and closer into you to try to see what's going on and he kind of leans a little bit too much and you go clink (laughs) against the door (laughs) and as you do you can hear kind of a kerfluffle inside the building. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hear sort of like the moving of furniture, 
and some rustling in response to the sound that you've made at the door. Uh-oh. We need to be feet. I got to tell uh, Scratch, change it. We got to get out of here. All right. So we're going to skedaddle to the nearest cover. All right. So where are you going? Are you going out of the gate? Well, just concealment. No, if if we can just like, really, we just need shadows. Yeah. To, to like. Yeah. And behind the and fence, because like you have the working street lamp outside, there's no light in this yard right now. Right. So probably just perpendicular to the door along the warehouse wall. Sure. Until it's dark enough that I can hide. Because I can really hide at any time as a bonus action based on myself. Sure. So So go ahead and, and roll your stealth for your hide. All right. That is a 11. Okay. So, I mean, if someone's aware that you're out there, it wouldn't be very hard to spot you with a little bit of looking. But with your size and the shadow that's available, you feel like you've made the best of the situation. With the larger, although not large by most people's standards, bird standing next to you. (laughs) Right. And, I mean, also, I'm not going to, like, just bail on Scratch. But honestly, if he's pulling attention away from me, that sets up some interesting stuff that I can do. And just as a mechanical note... I was referring to, um, I have a racial trait called nimble escape that allows me to take disengage or hide as a bonus action on each of my turns. Right. And so when you hide, you just roll your stealth to see how well you did. Right. Yeah. And we're not in combat, so you can hide anyway. That's, that's also (laughs) true. I just kind of like to, um, it helps me immerse in the character to know their, their little quirks like that. Yeah. So. So, standing against the shadow of the building, you don't notice any response or reaction after the noise that you heard inside. No one seems to open the peephole or open the door or anything like that. Okay. Whew. All right, Scratch. That was a close one. It sounded like someone was going to come up to the door for a second. I tell you what. Why don't you wait by the front door? I'm going to see if I can get in one of these windows and I'll meet you by the front door to let you in. Scratch looks down at you, gives you the side eye that birds tend to do, and gives you a quick wink and moves up to the front door. And kind of next to the front door, like so if someone opens it, he gets his little, what does he have? He has his scimitar out. Like, All so right. he's ready. Dang. Okay. So I'm going to look at him with a little bit of um, respect. Also a bit of consternation. Like, I, I give him basically a damn Gina kind of look. <laughs> like, I don't know if, if that's warranted, but hey, you know, that'll work. He seems to be holding it in such a way that it's like he would bonk with the hilt of it. Mm. Not like gonna do some slashy stabbies okay but just so he has something if someone tries to rush the door yeah you gotta have a weapon ready to silence someone you just don't have to silence them permanently so that's good to know that he's not bloodthirsty because you know neither am i all right i'm gonna check out a window to see if i can uh jimmy a window i know that the one i checked earlier was latched so i'm gonna check a different one to see if it's not latched okay So 
The ones that you can access on the ground floor appear to be locked, but as a rogue, that doesn't necessarily stop you. Very true. Let's see. I'm just checking a few windows. They're all latched. It's like, okay, time to see if we can uh, pop the latch on one of these windows and let ourselves inside. Sure. Using our uh, thieves' tools in similar that have lodestones and lock picks and lubricants and all sorts of fun shit in there. All right, go ahead and make a dexterity check. Um, and you do have your lock picks and stuff like that, so yes, we'll consider that as well. All right, uh, 19. All right, yeah. So you quietly and easily undo the latch from the outside with your available tools. You're able to kind of fish them in, find the mechanism and pop it open. Pushing the window open, you can see that much like the gate in the yard, these are very well maintained and open without a squeak. Hmm. It's almost like they want someone to sneak in. I would say as I tuck away my various tools, Inside, now that the paint isn't in your way, you can see a large room that this, because your window is kind of next to the, the loading door. And you can see that the loading door and the front door seem to both join into this main room that's inside in the ground floor. Hmm. And you can see tables and chairs just tossed around the place. There are corpses of about a dozen men lying along the walls, Whoa. rapiers and daggers lying nearby. And to the north, so kind of to your left coming through the window, you can see stairs going up to the level above. That's kind of near where the front door would be, but you can't see around the corner to where the front door is. Okay. I'm going to have to scramble in through the window having taken a look to ensure that there's no one to observe my nefarious actions and then skulk to the corner and peer around it quite stealthily. All right, go ahead and roll stealth. Let's see if we can get a better stealth roll this time. What do you say? You can try. All right, that'll freaking work. <laughs> uh, 24. Okay. So, uh, I mean, I'll make a roll for the heck of it. No. Um, as you kind of dead silent move forward towards the door, um, ignoring the corpses for now that are lined up against the wall, you can see that the area around the front door is in much the same state as the rest of the building, just like furniture tossed all around and things like that. There's obviously some sort of struggle in so here. signs of a struggle tossed around. Yeah. Not haphazardly stored tossed no, around. No. Okay. Like things got messed up. Blood spatter. In some sort of melee. Broken <laughs> stuff. Yes. Okay. And you can see to what you now know from your experience working with Scratch, Kenku furtively peeking up from behind furniture that they were hiding behind and looking at the front door, trying to figure out if someone's going to come through. Okay, cool. 
So they have no idea that I'm there. They're furtively peeking up from around uh, various hiding places and such. Yeah, towards the front towards door, the and front there's two door. of them. Okay, cool. Yep. Um, <laughs> I'd like to try something a little interesting. We're going to see how this works out. Sure. I don't, you know, I have no idea what's going to happen here, but this is just my personality. Um, and by my, I mean Laika's personality coming through that it's just in her nature to be a bit mischievous. mischievous. So she's going to sneak up to um, the two Kanku. Are they they're side by side? They're next to each other? They're each of them. They're near each other, but they hid behind different pieces of furniture when they heard the sound at the door. Okay. Yeah. So in a very friendly way, if that's even possible, if you can imagine such a thing, sneak up to the nearest one and very congenially peer in the same direction that they're peering in mm -hmm. and wonder aloud, ah, gee, what do you think we're looking at here? All right. Um, as you startle the Kenku, <laughs> you can see one... Well, you see one, the one nearest to you turns to you very suddenly, looks down at you, um, and in a thick orcish accent, says, Xenophor sends his regards and pulls his weapon. Oh, I dang. need you to roll initiative. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought maybe this wouldn't work out for the best, but <laughs> that's just how I roll. <laughs> All right. My initiative is 14, however. Okay. Uh, like a... So there's that. 14. All right. Um, you did get the drop on them, though. So you will get to go first anyway because of your roll. Mm -hmm. um, but they are surprised this round. Okay. Okay. Now, just uh, just so I know, who, what did he say when he said someone sends said, their regards? Xanathar sends his regards. Oh, shit. Xanathar. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So my eyebrows are still firmly rooted, not rooted, but uh, firmly grasped into my hairline, you know, right. reaching from their roots above my eyes like Xanathar, like the Xanathar. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. All right. Um, I might be... Um, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, as this goes down, oh, shit, I might have outkicked my coverage. Here, boys. <laughs> All right. So what would you like to do? So I'm standing right next to this Kenku, right? Yeah, you're standing right next to one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That I, that I startled. Yes. And because of how they were acting, I thought maybe they were prisoners or victims or something like that. So I took this lackadaisical approach uh, to them. Turns out they're actually guards lying in wait, it would seem. So since they have basically flexed on me, um, it's combat time. So I am going to... Look up disengage in the PHB. Okay. I think your movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks for the rest of the turn. Noise. All right. So that's going to come into play. Okay. 
Remember, you can do your turns and actions and your actions and your turn in any order. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to stab the guy first with my dagger that I already have in my hand. The sure. stiletto-like one. Sure. Just full on. <laughs> you can do that. All right. Let's see how that turns out. I can roll my attack, I assume, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. Here. And are you doing your sneak attack because they're surprised? Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, that is 17 to hit. That will hit. Okay. And that is 1d4 and 1d6 plus 3. Because my sneak attack damage is 1d6 right now, if I'm not mistaken. You have your character sheet. You have your character I guess sheet. I, I don't know. But I would assume Indeed. that it's yeah, low it's, now. It's, it's 1d6. And then it's as you one. level, it gets ridiculous. Right. Yeah. As, yeah. as you level, it gets freaking insane. But at level 1, it's only quote unquote 1d6 which can be brutal at this level so it's still pretty cool let's see what we got for damage though all right uh that is a nine plus three um 11 no 12 (laughs) (laughs) judging by the look on your face that's a little bit of overkill right there it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot of overkill it's a lot of damage so the Kenku that you're closest to turns, says Xanathar, sends his regards in a thick orcish accent, um, draws a short sword from under its like hooded sort of cloak thing that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, and as he does, you just react. Yeah. And you just leap forward with your stiletto and plunge it in. And you can hear, I mean, Kenku can't fly, um, but they still have the vestigial innards mm, as you will mm-hmm. soon discover oh no of flighted creatures okay and there is like the sound of like air escaping as it's struggling to breathe um and it falls to the ground poor thing man you know don't uh don't draw a scimitar on me <laughs> i mean you know i'm just saying uh and the other one just stares at you like because it's still surprised this round. Right. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to do? Yes. I would like to disengage okay. and basically move with all haste to the front door. Okay. If it's in range of my movement, which is 30 feet walking. But I don't know because I already took an action if I can like run and I can't dash as no, part of No, you rounded stuff. the corner and snuck up on the Kenku, so the door's only about 15 feet away from you right now. Cool. Yep. So I can take a few few quick steps to the door and unlatch it, unlock it, unbar it, whatever. Right. And and well, and that's the thing. I can move to it as a bonus action. I don't know if I have enough actions left to No, you wouldn't, it. but you can be at the door. Yeah. So and so, yeah, I'll you're able to deftly move around the other Kenku who kind of is staring between you and the body on the ground that you have freshly made. Hmm. Um, and you are now at the door. You can say something, though, if you'd like. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to brandish my dagger, still fresh, freshly baptized in the life brine of this man, of this Kenku's friend. And with glowing yellow eyes narrowed to deadly slits, I will just hiss at him wordlessly in a very menacing fashion. All right. So 
Kenku doesn't get to do anything this round because he's surprised. Um, but Scratch has heard the commotion on the other side of the door. Um, and you hear Scratch scream in Durnan's voice, Troll! And <laughs> then you hear something beat against the door. Um, let's see if he can actually do anything. Uh-huh. Yep. None of that's helpful. Okay. Um, okay. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> and I'm going to have you go ahead and make a dexterity saving throw okay. just to be safe. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> this encounter has turned out to be awesome <laughs> so far, by the way. <laughs> oh, no. That's an eight. That's fine. I mean, you heard him yell, troll. I'll actually, I'll give you advantage on this one because you kind of have an idea of what he's going to do. Oh, having worked together before. Well, and you know what Darnan did to the troll. Oh, also true. Yes. Uh, so that's a 10. Not a whole lot better. No, that's enough. Um, so you hear Darnan's voice scream, troll, and you move out of the way of the door as you see... Scratches 90-pound bird body, <laughs> kick it open <laughs> <Holy crap. laughs> with his little raven foot. Um, and the door swings open quite smoothly on its hinges um, and smack against the wall adjacent. Um, and you can see him standing in the doorway, breathing hard, uh, scimitar drawn. I have time to remark as the door flies open and smacks into the adjacent wall. Wow, that really is some great whale oil. <laughs> All right. Um, and it is your turn. All right. So I have the dagger out. Yes. I don't know that I necessarily want to um, stow it and draw a short sword. I mean... I feel like is readying a weapon or and all that still an action and all that. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the mechanics in this in this edition. Yeah, as far as all that's concerned. Let's look it up. Let's go to the board, Jim. You can use you can draw a weapon as part of an attack action, so you wouldn't have to use it a separate action to do that. Okay, and we're not going to get super detailed as far as, like, stowing my dagger and drawing another one or whatever. You have two hands. You can do what you want. Okay, cool. Just just making sure, because I'm not trying to bend, you know, or break the rules or anything no, like you're, that. you're good. All right, cool. Well, um, so I'm going to use a word here, and I don't necessarily mean it in game terms, just FYI. Uh, Leica had menaced her remaining enemy already. And then she had to take a couple of quick steps away from the door so as not to get brutalized by Scratch's entrance. Right. But she still didn't take her eyes off of her enemy. So she's still looking at him with a very vicious expression on her adorable face. Right. And she's going to charge straight at him and that's the word i'm referring to i'm, I'm not making a charge quote unquote no, capital c that's fine she's just running at her enemy and while she's traversing the intervening distance stow the stiletto dagger draw the short sword from her back mm -hmm. to attack 
with her short sword in a vicious up upswing sort of motion. Okay. And let's see if see if it happens. Let's see if it gets there with the short sword. Okay, that is a twenty-one. That will hit. Sixteen plus five is still twenty-one. Correcto. All right. Has been all day long. <laughs> okay. And so that is a mere 1d6 plus 3. All right. Um, minimum possible damage. So that's 4. Mm-hmm. Still, though. Still. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. You know, there's no shame in my game. No. Not, not every hit is a masterful Masamune slash. So that's why you get to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, anything else for your turn? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm actually going to, let's see here. Do we still have the, uh, move half and then move half again thing after you attack? You can split up your movement in any way that you like. Okay. I'm, I'm curious as to how disengage works in that regard. If you run up to slash someone and then you disengage, disengage just means your movement doesn't provoke opportunity right. attack. So you still need movement left yes. to use disengage. Yeah, disengage you doesn't give you give movement you more like movement. it does in fourth edition right. where it gave you kind of like a five foot step yeah. sort of deal. Right. Yeah. No. Okay. So if I have any movement left over, I would like to disengage to get some range because it's a, it's very float like a butterfly, sting like a bee sort of situation. If I don't, that's cool too. No, you have plenty of movement left. How far away from him would you like to move? Um, you probably have about uh, 15 yeah. to 20 feet left. Yeah, let's go with 15 feet. Okay. So you run in vicious, angry cat face, give your stab, and then leap back, kind of almost weaving around the discarded furniture that's on the floor. And the Kenku looks down at its compatriot, looks down at its wound, looks at the crazy Kenku in the doorway, <laughs> um, and makes a run for the other exit. Okay. Um, trying to stay out of your reach at this point, because you did move away from him. Right. So, um, so he is going to spend his entire turn running. You know, and I am okay with that. Like a wool. <laughs> so just as a note, I prefer to just inhabit the character fully. So when I say I, I'm talking about Laika here. So I don't want to refer to her in the third person at all. No, so fine. I'm going to hold my little goblin fist up that's actually holding my short sword as well in a sign of respect. Kind of like, you know, live to fight another day sort of gesture. And uh, b because... You know, there, there's there's no shame in that, and I'm gonna let him go. I'm not giving chase or anything. All right. So the bird runs. Scratch moves in. Um, looks at you. Looks at the running Kenku. Sees you're not really moving to engage. Yeah. And goes to look at the Kenku on the floor, and sort of gives him a side eye like looks at you um, and in a voice that you don't recognize. It's not one you've heard before. Um, Scratch says, 
traitorous deeds. I'll approach this scenario and hunker down next to the body of uh, the Kenku and stowing my short sword back in its scabbard or sheath, what have you, on my back and drawing the stiletto that I used to dispatch the Kenku recently, I'll clean uh, the blade of its blood on its clothing while uh, shaking my head sadly and looking at at Scratch significantly. Yeah, it seems this one lost his way. This is not how I'm used to being... This is not how I'm used to your kind behaving, Scratch. What could have driven him to such deeds? And Scratch looks down at the Kenku, who you notice is still sort of struggling to breathe. And he looks back at you and says... Hands can heal as well as hurt. What do you say? Yeah, maybe if we get this guy stabilized, he might uh, find his way back to uh, the noble path that he should be on. So Scratch nods, um, leans down, kind of pulls some things from various pockets in his sort of cloak-like over-tunic, and... You can see that poultice is going on and bandages are being applied and pressure is being put into place. And the sort of whistling sound stops. The breathing slows but seems stable at this point. And the kenku on the floor looks up at you weakly, seems to be waiting to see what you're going to do. Yeah. So the first thing I want to do is think back and try to recall what I've learned of Kenku culture in my time hanging out with my friend Scratch Lone Hop to see if I know anything about Kenku culture that would allow me to shame this one into um, mending his ways so that he returns to a, a more noble path in life. And if, if that's like, you know, a certain phrase that is said to them, kind of like in, um, in gunslinger lore, you would tell someone that they've forgotten the face of their father or mm -hmm. similar, you know, that sort of thing. If I come up blank, that's cool. If I have to do a history or nature check or whatever, that's also cool. You would need to do a history check cool. mostly because scratch can't tell you about his people. <laughs> Right. So um, it would be kind of what you've put together or what you recall. I think I would have done some research at least. Yeah. If I'm going to be running with a kenku, I want to know what to expect. Sure. So it wouldn't have been just a get to know you sort of thing. Because Laika is pretty sharp. She's a pretty sharp kid. Mm -hmm. All right. However, <laughs> not remembering a whole lot here with a six. Yeah, you do recall... That, like, Kenku sort of have this shame issue because they've lost their ability to fly somewhere in their past. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't think of anything in particular that's used as, like, a punishment or, like, a shaming thing or anything like that uh, that you'd be able to apply in this case. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to re re rely on just regular, everyday, normal sort of shame 
and, and keep it on the surface sure. because I can't relate it directly to their culture. I'm just going to have to admonish them in a, in a more basic sense. All right. Seems like you've lost your way, friend. I don't know what you're doing here or why, but I don't think this is life for you. I really think you might need to go back and take a different tack, take a different path. But if you could tell me who's here and if you remember seeing a man of Floon's description sure. brought here recently and what I can expect upstairs, it could go a long way towards redemption. All right. So what sort of role are you making to make this happen? Persuasion. All right. Make it happen. All right. Do, 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 do. All right. 14. Okay. So the Kenku looks up at you and in, he, well, not obviously not his voice, but he says to you, tie up the pretty boy in the back room. All right. I'll give Scratch a significant look, kind of a, does that seem like it means what it think, what I think it means? Because I think it means that our dude is in the back room. And then he says, you idiot, follow the yellow signs in the sewers. <laughs> All right. That sounds pretty promising. I'll, uh, hmm. I don't want to be so presumptuous as to touch the wounded Kenku, but I'll gesture to him in a very um, redemptive sort of way. And I'll hand out, palm up, and let him know that I think you're doing the right thing here, friend. Do you think you can maybe uh, make it back home under your own power? And sort of like pushes himself to his feet. And as he moves, like, kind of cautiously towards the door, limping quite a bit and everything, says, No time to loot the place. Just get him to the boss. <laughs> and hops out the door. All right. So that may be not enough that they're going to mend their ways, but you know what? We tried, so it's okay. Anyhow, come on, Scratch. Let's see what you can find out about this last, uh, this back room. All right. Do you want to keep going and finish the hideout or do you want to stop here? I'm okay continuing. Okay. But no, I'm fine continuing. Wanna... Right, I just cool. kind of want to get an idea of like how, like, I don't want to get into something and then, you know, yeah. have to stop. Okay. All right. So obviously it's not clear exactly what back room is being referred to. You do notice that there is kind of a, door kind of barely hanging on to the hinge next to the stairway. Okay. Um, and then obviously there, there's, there are the stairs up. Um, but I also don't know if you want to take a look around the room first or how you want to approach this situation. Well, we know there's been a struggle here and that, I mean, we could spend some time investigating to see if we could find out what happened here, mm -hmm. but it seems like, these Kenku henchmen were part of a party that came here to steal whoever someone else had rightfully kidnapped. So I think that if we investigate the back room, we're not going to find anyone because it's been bashed in and our quarry, Floon, has been taken. 
and then absconded with via the sewer passages is what I'm piecing together from what we got from our wounded Kenku. So I think I'm going to give a cursory look into the room beyond the broken door. Sure. And we'll go from there. So as you start looking around, you do note, especially because the door is open and everything now, um, sunlight is starting to come in like the dawn has broken. And you're starting to hear sounds from outside that are like the the docks waking up. So, mm-hmm. you know, people starting to go about their business and things like that. Um, and so, you know, you know, we're getting to daytime in Waterdeep, which is a very different situation for you than nighttime in Waterdeep. Mm-hmm. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Okay. All right. But as you kind of look through the door that's hanging loosely on broken hinges. You can see the small chamber beyond um, is filled with like discarded ropes and canvas tarps and splintered wood from smashed barrels. And it smells really strongly of sour fish and vinegar, Mm. like stored, like sea rations, basically. Oh man, delicious. Yeah, it smells great (laughs) um, to you. Yeah, I, I feel like my stomach would rumble at the scent of vinegar and fish. And you hear ragged sort of sobbing breathing. It's very loud, so I'm not even going to make you make a roll coming from under one of the tarps. Interesting. As she remarks to her, as I remark to myself, I'll gesture with sort of come hither fingers over one shoulder scratch if he is not already you know right up behind me the door is it smashed enough that i can duck under it and you know where it's a little bit askew or do i have to try and move it it's definitely open and off the hinge enough to create adequate space for you to move through right yeah let's let's creep up to the the tarp the sobbing tarp that's a great name for a a pub or a bar or (laughs) what have you (laughs) Right? You are close to the tarp. You can hear the breathing still, like someone trying to get control of their breathing. Sure. Let's uh, take a corner of it daintily between thumb and forefinger and lift it up ever so gently to peer beneath it and see what we have here. All right. So, filthy, um, smelling of rancid pickled herring. Um, but otherwise, dressed quite finely, you see a young man. And as the tarp is lifted, he cries out in alarm, um, especially seeing a kenku and, a, I mean, what many consider a monstrous race. Um, and he says, no, no, please, I'll, I'll put the ropes back on. And you can see, like, loose ropes that he's gotten out of, basically, oh, nice. on the floor next to him. Okay. I'll look at the ropes and comment, nice work, friend. Escaping from ropes is no mean feat. But never mind, I mean no harm. Are you Floon, I presume? No, no. I was with Floon, however. I am Rene Neverember. Oh, I see. You're the guy he left with. Hmm. What, what has become of poor Floon? He's actually who I'm looking for. How strange. Uh, one would think that hopefully my father would eventually send someone to find me. Uh, but yes, I, I was with Floon um, 
He was quite intoxicated. And so I decided to walk with him on his way home. I was worried he wouldn't make it on his own. He had been drinking for some hours before I caught up with him there. Um, and we were beset by fiendish thugs along our way. Um, just as we left Fillet Lane, heading north on Zastro Street. And they threw sackcloth over our head, dragged us here, wherever this is. There was some sort of fight, um, a bit of a struggle over who would have possession of us, as it were. Um, and in the chaos, uh, I was a bit forgotten. I, I'm... A bit sorry to say that I, I hid. Well, your secret's safe with me, friend. I'll hand him my water skin and advise him, get yourself cleaned up and get out of here. This is no neighbor for, neighborhood for someone like you. Uh, understood. I, I would say I would help you find Floon. He's a dear friend to many, but uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that that's my sort of work. <laughs> I'll, uh... I'm, I'm assuming he's taken my water skin in one yep. distracted hand. Yeah. Maybe just instinctively holding it between thumb and forefinger. <laughs> right. Pinky out. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. It, it, it's perfectly clean and like great, but it has the still has the fur on the outside and all that kind of thing, not necessarily the fine bottles that he's used to. But the water inside is perfectly clean yeah. and potable. And I'm going to presume to touch my lord and pat him reassuringly on one shoulder because he's still, you know, yeah. maybe up on one elbow on the ground. Yeah, he's kind of done the little backwards crab walk because he was yeah. immediately afraid. Right, right. And absolutely. you notice, and part of how he's holding the water distractedly, he's staring at Scratch. Hmm. He's a little terrified of this Kenku. Sure. Understandably, given that that's who... Uh, waylaid him more than likely um but with with this reassuring pat on the shoulder it's all right you're safe now you really look like a local denizen at this point just sort of try to clean up a little bit and head home you're off of candle street at a warehouse uh oh yes i'm a bit familiar with the area i the kenku the the bird folk they're not zents i I think it was the Zents who grabbed us, but then, like I said, there was a fight. Hmm, Zents, you say? As I'll reach into my hip pouch and get my handy little notebook out and stub <laughs> of pencil. Zents. Okay. Can you spell that for me? You're not familiar with the, the Zentarum. Can't say that I've heard of them. It's not ringing any bells. <laughs> so you would be vaguely familiar with the Zentarum. It's Z-H-E-N-T-A-R. Z-H-E-N-T-A-R-I-M. Okay. Mm -hmm. They are also known as the Black Network, um, where there is dirty money to be made or where mercenaries are needed. You can often find the Zens are happy to take coin to make things happen. They also trade in information. Okay. So I would 
definitely be aware of yep. these guys. You actually have a Zentrim contact it, in Waterdeep. Yeah, given that I am an urban bounty hunter with the ear to the ground feature. Yes. And frequent contact with people in a segment of society that your choosing quarries move through. Yep. So I would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. You're so, actually, you know that Yagra has contacts with the Zens. She is one of the contacts you made here in Waterdeep, which is, you know, why you were hanging out with her in the tavern. Um, but you know that she deals with them. Okay. And he says, yes, I assumed I had been kidnapped because of the rumors. Oh, the rumors. Yes, the rumors. Uh, what rumors? The Zentrum believed that my father embezzled a large amount of gold while he was the open lord, and that its location is protected by some artifact, the Stone of Galore, that he apparently has. But that was an artifact that the Xanathar Guild apparently held until recently. Apparently it was stolen. And the Zens thought I knew something about all of this, but I don't. My father and I haven't spoken in years. Yeah, speaking of Xanathar, I think it would be best if neither of us were ever here and this conversation never happened. Now, I need you to remember me, friend, but as far as all this is concerned, <laughs> we must have met at a party somewhere in the docks. I do appreciate your... desire to keep this quite uh, under wraps. And he, like, um, kind of fishes through pockets, which looks like he's been roughed over and, like, kind of, you know, picked over a bit. And he says, I don't have much to offer for your cooperation. So while he's rifling through his pockets, I'd like to put a hand on one of his wrists while it's in the pocket that is now empty, of course, because he's been robbed. So keep your money, friend. You'll just owe me a favor. I see. Um, if you don't mind, I'll probably just take a moment to get myself together and, and then I can certainly be on my way. Or if you wouldn't mind, uh, it seems quiet in here. I could wait until you are finished with whatever you are doing if you wouldn't mind escorting me back to somewhere a little less terrifying. If you think you can pass the time in here until nightfall, I might be back by then. I can't make any promises, but I'll try to come back for you if I can. Are, are you leaving now, then? I am leaving now. I have to try and find Floon. I think they took him away through the sewers. The sewers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scratch, uh, nods and says, Yes, sewers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, significantly. <laughs> you don't want to come with us through the sewers, do you? It's like, I see, uh, then I should be on my way as well. Do you want to look around at all before you depart? Yes. Now that we have some time, and I, I get the feeling that the area is pretty secure, and I need to look around and be on my way before anyone shows up because it's daytime. Mm -hmm. So any sort of dock workers or whatever the purpose of this warehouse is... Um, 
people might be showing up for work. So I need to look around and investigate both the back room and the front room to see if there's anything of note in either of those rooms and then get the heck out of here before okay. I get discovered. So not going to check out upstairs or anything more keeping it close to time. Mm, I mean, if I find anything down here that suggests there might be anything upstairs and, and, and I'll, I'll mull that over while I look around down here, actually. All right. uh, go ahead and roll a perception check just to see if there's anything notable. All right. Let's see what happens. Oof. That is a seven. Okay. Gross. And Scratch sees you looking around. He'll look around as well. Okay. So your eyes are really drawn to the bodies around the room as you're sort of looking around at what happened here. Oh, yeah. I forgot about the dead bodies. <laughs> okay. Um, and you do note most of the bodies that you see in here are kind of decked in dark colors, a lot of black and things like that. Um, and many of them have tattoos of that same winged snake symbol that you saw on the door. Okay. There are a few, however, that are dressed a little bit more colorfully. Um, and those that have tattoos, the symbol that they have on them to identify their affiliation is a circle with 10 radiating lines coming out of it. Hmm. Sort of like a five-year-old drawing a sun. Yeah. Okay. Now, do I recognize any of these symbols? or vestiges as local local gang affiliations or anything like that? Um, let's see here. Go ahead and roll a history check, but I'll give you advantage since you do have your ear to the ground. All right, here we go. Whew, all right. Thank goodness for advantage. Um, that was a history check, you said? Yes. 14. All right, so you recognize, and it's funny how, like, you didn't even think of it earlier, that winged snake symbol is one of the Zentarim symbols. Um, and you know many of the, especially lower-ranking members, tend to adorn themselves with the symbol as a way to show off. Although you are familiar with, like, higher-ranking Zents tend to be a bit more secretive. Mm, right. Um, the... Circle one you're not as familiar with, but you know that you have contacts who could let you know what it meant. Okay. I'm going to make a, a sketch of it in my notebook with right. my stubble pencil, just real quick. Only takes yeah, a second. No, you're good. And as you're doing that, um, you note that Scratch hasn't moved very far from that closet. He seems to be like eyeing the wall and pecking at it a bit. Um, and he turns to you and he says you know it's really a, a security flaw but a lot of people don't even leave these locked <laughs> that's cool uh i'm gonna chuckle a little bit because honestly that never gets old <laughs> it's always awesome whenever uh scratch does that i'll look at him and hold up a finger and nod like yeah yeah give me a second and i think i just i need to at least give the upstairs a quick um 
you know, a quick inspection. Sure. You can certainly do so. So you're just going upstairs? Yeah. Just uh, dash up the stairs. All right. So from the lower floor, what you can see is it's not a complete floor upstairs. Mm. Um, there is sort of a balcony that rings the warehouse floor below. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then kind of in the same corner of the building, like on the stairs side, there is a doorway leading to something that you can't see because it is walled off. But it seems like the mo- the largest area of the second floor is mostly this balcony that overlooks the working floor. Okay. So I'll have to check out that door then because it looks like the balcony area is pretty nondescript in terms of... And looking around it kind of briefly, you can see that there are kind of crates and but most of it you see is junk. Like there's some moth-eaten bolts of cloth, some bottles of rancid. You can smell it from here, like rancid olive oil. Um, There are some sandals like someone got like overstock crate o sandals um that were probably fashionable a few summers ago um nothing that immediately strikes you as valuable all right giving it a cursory glance i'll turn my attention to the door all right there is a door let's uh tiptoe up and listen at it uh go ahead and roll a perception That did go off the rolling surface onto the desk, but it did land flat. So we're looking at a 16. Okay. You are very familiar with the sound you hear behind the door. Um, It is the sound of mundane rats scrabbling about. Hmm. Okay. Mundane rats. It shouldn't pose too much of a threat. It's not like it's a rat swarm or something that I should be concerned about, I think. So, given that it's just a few rats, I should be able to shoo them away. So, assuming the door's unlocked, I'll go ahead and open it. Yep, so testing the handle, you find the door is unlocked. Um, But it does squeak slightly you're opening a door to an area that doesn't look like it was in heavy use, like the areas downstairs were. Mm. Um, you see desks, chairs, and shelves um, covered in cobwebs, and you see like little rats skittering to their holes away from you as the as the door opens. And you see, because um, the offices are vaguely separated into little cubicle sort of rooms, and there are kind of along the, the shared wall that these doorways have into the office. Um, you can see a few metal bells connected by metal wires that lead into the wall. Hmm. Okay. Looks like some sort of signaling system. Well, I don't think I'm going to find anything in here of interest. All right. Uh, did you want to search the offices at all before you move on? But in the interest of thoroughness, as my voice trails off, because Laika has the uh, the habit of thinking aloud to herself right. when she's not trying to be sneaky, and that's a, a whistling in the dark sort of reaction to her line of work. It's how she copes with all the stuff she has to deal with. 
how I cope with all the stuff <laughs> I have to deal with. It's fair. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think she'll, I think I'll take a look around the office. Okay. That's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, you're good. So moving around the offices, as you suspected, there isn't a lot to see here. Um, you do see those wires probably lead to somewhere else in the building. Like you said, it looks like some sort of signal or alarm or something like that. You don't really see what the trigger for them is. Um, and it looks like this area has been mostly cleared out. There's some like really ancient office supplies, like dried out pens and things like that. Um, but you do find one interesting item. Hmm. It is, I have to go to the index because I don't have this on D&D Beyond. Um, la, 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 doing some stuff, turning some pages like a pleb. Uh, let's see here. Okay. Oh, yeah, here we go. You find what looks a bit like, um, like an origami crane. And unlike the rest of the office, like not covered in dust. Hmm. Um, looks very clean. And to you in this environment that strikes you as something that's probably mildly magical because those things tend to hold up a bit better than the environment around them. Okay. Uh, and I see it sitting there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm, mm, I think I'm going to hem and haw around it in a very furtive posture, my hands up in front of me, reaching out and pulling back, leaning one way and then the next, looking high, looking low, because her better, my better nature tells me that I might want to leave it alone. I might want to exercise caution, because I don't know a whole lot about magic items, but I'm just so damn curious, and I don't think I'm going to be able to help myself I have to reach out and pick it up. And as you touch it, it unfolds itself into a what kind of postcard sized piece of paper. And it's perfectly flat. No crease lines or anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're not sure what the function of this thing is, but it's so certainly magical. It just it unfolded itself. Unfolded itself and, and now it... Uh, it's a little blank piece of paper. Just flat on the table? It's in your hand. Oh, it unfolded it between, okay, mm -hmm. my fingers. Uh, all right. Oh, man. That's a little disappointing. I hadn't seen one of those folded paper shapes since uh, two summers ago when the rains were so heavy. Well, until I can figure out what's going on with this, I'm going to have to stow it and mm -hmm. maybe hang on to it. And I don't know how to... Uh, activated or really anything about it. Yeah, I'll try someone might have to take a look at it for you later. Yeah, I'll try putting it down to see if it refolds itself or anything like that. It does not. It does not. Okay. Into the pouch with you, friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, once you get it identified, I'll let you know what it is so you can put it in your inventory. Hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But I would just give yourself a quick note for now so you know you have it so someone can look at it later. Yeah. Unfold into a flat piece of paper. Uh, 
Okay. I'm sure I know someone who can identify that for me. No problem. Okay. Well, back downstairs we go. And as you head back out onto the balcony and then to the stairs, you can hear Scratch in his various voices trying to talk to the the young lord. <laughs> um, and you can hear the, the young man politely trying to speak back to him. Um, very proper, um, befitting his station. Mm. Um, you know, he is quite sober. Maybe he's a little less friendly when he's drunk, but right now he is being very nice to, to scratch. He's but probably, you can see, oh, go ahead. Yeah, he's probably scared out of his wits. Yeah. But you can see that scratch is very like suddenly kind of stayed in this area. You saw him inspecting mm-hmm. um, near the stairs, near that storage closet where, where the young man was. Yeah, that's what we're going to check out next. There's got to be a false door or something like that around here. Is that what you say? Yeah. And um, he like nods very animatedly at no, you when you say that. Uh, scratch? Mm-hmm. Not the not the fop? No, the yeah, corner. no, okay. scratch does. He's like, <laughs> false door or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time to uh, do the search for a false door. You, you look for scrapes on the floor and little latches and depressions and uh, planks of wood that maybe depress switches and buttons and strings to pull and all of that fun stuff. Yeah, with Scratch showing you the location, you can see now the place like between the boards where this actually opens up. It looks like it just should swing inward. Like you should be able to push on it. Oh, okay. Finding this gap, I'll remark to Scratch, I see Scratch, it's all about the spaces in between. And I'll push the door. All right. So as you push it, you hear the soft tinkling of bells upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, And inside you can see crates and these look like fresh crates, like things that were purposely stowed here. And you can tell from the state of the room, like this is an area that the, the Zenterim or whoever was using the warehouse um, used to store certain items. So unlike the junk that you saw upstairs, you can see that there are a few like framed paintings like against the back wall of this secret closet. Um, You can also see um, a crate with like kind of a leather, a piece of leather material kind of put over it to cover it. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm very inquisitive by nature. And if this is a Zentarim, um, Warehouse, I'm not quite as cautious because I really don't want to steal from Xanathar. But if Xanathar was stealing from these guys, and plus it's the Zentrum, I'm not necessarily as cautious as as I would have been. Okay. If, if, you know, as I would have been before, thinking that I might be stepping on Xanathar's toes. So... I'm not having to battle my baser. Yeah, you've probably dealt nature. with the Zentrum a bit more, where like Xanathar is kind of a wild card for you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of fresh to you coming into Waterdeep, I think. Yeah, but I mean, he's well known enough that I, I feel like his reputation would precede him. And 
also drow. I just, I, I'm, you know. Oh, you're thinking of someone else. Oh, I am? Yeah. I'm thinking of the guy with the big hat and the big feather. Yeah, not him. That's not him. Xanathar's a human mage? No. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember any of this then. So you've heard the name Xanathar a bit, um, having come into Waterdeep. Um, You know that he has kind of a gang that operates a bit in the streets here, but you don't know much about who this Xanathar might be. Um, At least not yet. Um, Now you've heard the name a few more times, especially in connection with what's going on here. It's probably something you're going to look into a bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But it definitely probably gives you a little bit more pause because you don't know how to interact with them. Right. In the sense, you know, you can wheel and deal a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's probably why you're a little less perturbed. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a look under that uh, leather covering on the crate. All right. So you can see that the leather covers an area of the crate where it's been pried open with a crowbar, basically to get to the contents inside. And although they are black with corrosion, um, with oxidation, as it were, um, you recognize the contents as being like a full crate of 10 pound silver trade bars. Holy crap. <laughs> 10 pound bars. Yep. Holy monkey. You would assume from the size of the crate, there's probably about 15 in there. That is a lot of silver. Okay. Well. All right. Man. And have you go ahead and make a perception check. Okay. Mm, 16. All right. As you're looking around in the secret room, you do hear the telltale sound of boots on cobblestones getting louder in this direction. Okay. We should probably get the dude in the room in here with us and close the door. Or, actually, does this room lead anywhere? Is this just a storage room? There's yeah, no, it's a, like, a little secret or... storage room. There doesn't appear to be any other passages. Okay. Yeah. Gosh, we got to get out of here. Um, so there's an exit out the back. Not of this room, but of the warehouse room. So kind of directly behind you, like if you're facing the secret room. Mm-hmm. Directly behind you is the front door. And then around the corner from there is the the loading door. Okay. Yeah. And then upstairs, gotcha. there are windows. And down here, there are a few places with windows as well. Okay. Let's uh, get out of the storage room. And as, as uh, the rest of my body pulls me towards the, the exit of the storage room, one hand is kind of grasping at one of the bars in it. No, no. Kind of kind of gesture uh because man i really want to steal one but now is not the time Mm -hmm. and we need to get back to Raynar in the other room and start just pulling him along behind us to get around the corner towards the exit because if this is like the local authorities chances are slim but if it is he can just go to them be like oh thank god this and that he's you know he's a well-known noble dude and he'll be fine right uh, he's clearly the victim of a crime and probably even if he is held for questioning or whatever, you know, out on bail, it won't be a big deal for him. Right. Uh, but we don't need to be here at all. And 
chances are slim that that's who it is anyway. So we probably just need to get out of here. All right. Um, so you are kind of getting everyone situated where they need to go. And the, the sound of boots is getting louder. Mm -hmm. Um, you can hear probably about a dozen humanoids. Yeah. Um, and then you hear voices. They're not trying to be quiet. Yeah. Yeah, We're Um, ready to slip out the back. Yeah. And you hear voices saying like, don't meddle in these matters. This is official business. Leave it to the city watch. And okay. it seems like they're trying to kind of clear the area. Yeah. Sounds like it's a official, uh, you know, uh, whoever owns the, the warehouse or whatever in a uh, above board sense. Sounds like that might be who has, has come around. Maybe. All right. I need to whisper to Raynar at this point mm-hmm. and, and tell him, it looks like you've got a choice, friend. You can come with me. We're going to slip out the back. Or you can hook up with whoever that is around the corner. Throw yourself on their mercy. And since you're clearly the victim of a crime, they might help you, especially since they mentioned the city watch. Up to you. I know where I'm going. Uh, it is probably best that I deal with the watch. Uh, I can, of course, I'd give them some information about what occurred and certainly leave your name out of it if you wish. Not that I seem to know it anyway. Like I said, it's probably best if neither of us were ever here. And I think you can probably make that happen with your connections. As for who I am. And Laika, of course, has business cards. These are in the form of little tiny scrolls that are very small in a little bone case. Mm -hmm. Almost like a little finger bone. And uh, you can pull the scroll out and unroll it and it has uh, her name her specialty and some contact information like where she can be found if you want to hire her if you need a person found or similar kind of like a private investigator's business card right and I'll press that into his palm while turning him around and gently pushing him towards the uh the corner of the room where he can go around and uh, introduce himself to the, the the new players in the game, so to speak. All right. So he, you know, yeah, takes that from you, kind of gives you a gesture of like wishing you well um, and moves to make an obvious distraction at the front door. Like, oh, thank the gods old and new. I... Look at the state of me. I am filthy. Where was the watch when I needed them? Excellent. And on that note, that's our cue. Whispering to Scratch. All right. So I need you to make a stealth roll with advantage just to make sure you can take advantage of the distraction that is being caused. I don't trip over a a smashed chair and fall on my face and cause a cascade of rubble, (laughs) giant ruckus. And awesome. I think we're going to get there because this is a 24. Oh, yeah. You are moving silently. But as the city watch comes into view, you have never seen Scratch move this quietly across the uneven ground. Um, Like just does not want to have to deal with human city watch folk. Hmm. 
And um, yeah, you guys are able to easily kind of make your way around them, especially as they move forward to engage with young Never Ember. You move out through the gate and back onto Candle Lane. All right. Now we're back on the streets. And I'll go ahead and issue you 50 experience points. Okay. By the way, that was the most adorable little cute goblin yawn just then. I'm not giving you XP for that. Oh, okay. (laughs) And that was uh, 50, you said? Yes. 50. Normally, I'll be like splitting experience for the for the encounters, depending on who you have with you. But this time, since you kind of handled that whole fight yourself, um, like, I mean, Scratch did kick the door in, but, you know. Um, But, you know, and you investigated and and talked with um, Neverember and everything. I think giving you the the full XP for that is justified. You know what? I'll take it. All right, so you're outside. What are you doing? So... I just busted off the most adorable little goblin yawn mm-hmm. and uh, replete with the very human gesture that she's that I've picked up from some of my friends with the <laughs> patting the, the palm over the open mouth. And it's awesome because when I yawn, <laughs> my mouth is so wide, it, it's almost like a cat yawning, just this huge giant mouth opening to almost 180 degrees before closing again. And she'll rub one of her eyes in a almost childlike gesture. It's about bedtime, Scratch. I think we should head home and get some rest. And Scratch looks at you and looks back at the warehouse and says, Follow the yellow signs in the sewer. There you have an interesting point there. Well, no time like the present. Let's see if we can maybe scratch up a good berry and keep at it. Fair enough. And uh, so Scratch rummages and produces a a lobed bit of fruit. (laughs) Scratch actually has a good berry. Druids always have good berries. (laughs) That is awesome. Did you actually take any damage? I didn't, but I feel like it has like a burst of citrus flavor and maybe might be a little energizing and stuff like that. It's it's kind of like, you know... uh, you you take a couple shots of espresso to wake yourself up, splash some cold water on your face. Uh, I'm now lamenting that I gave my water skin to Lord Fancy Pants yeah. and didn't get it back from him. <laughs> uh, yep. So, but the one that he hands you, you notice there's a few in his kind of hand, hmm. and he like picks one out because they don't they all look a little different. And he gives you one that's kind of yellowish orange and lobed like a raspberry. Mmm, delicious. I'll pop it into my mouth, chew it up. Hopefully it's delicious. Not it's, super it's, bitter and gross. No, it's pretty good. Mmm, <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to uh, look for the yellow signs in the sewers then. Where would they have accessed them from this warehouse? I need an investigation check, please. All right. Kind of thought we would be about done by now. This will be the last thing we do. Okay. Cool. Investigation nine. Okay. So you're looking around maybe a little bit too, obviously, um, when this like kind of hunched over woman kind of 
rustles out onto a stoop nearby. Now what you looking for? <laughs> looking for that one they dragged off before. Is that what you're looking for? Little sneaky finger. <laughs> Are we going to dart over to her side? Sister, sister, keep your voice down. Jesus, where are you raised? I would be happy to keep my voice down. I'd be happy to tell you more than that, too, if there was some coin in it. Look, I don't have any coin on me, however. And I will pers- uh, try you to... You jingle pers- like a keychain. I think you've got plenty on you. <laughs> I'll try to persuade her that... Uh, Me owing her a favor is worth more than any coin she could ever hope to spend. And the jingling is merely all of my weapons. (laughs) Is that intimidate or persuade? That's persuade-a-date. Okay, go ahead and make a roll. (laughs) Okay, gross, five. No, your weapons don't sound like no dancer skirts. That's coin in there. I've, I can hear it. I know the sound of crime may be old. That's something I still know. All right, all right. You drive a hard bargain. There might be a few coppers in it for you if you can. Copper? She spits on the <laughs> sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I'm made of money? I'm a goblin. You sound like you're made of money. I'm to make my way in the, the big city. thing probably sneaking into everybody's purse strings. I'm better-minded to start yelling right now. Look, if you start yelling, we might have to silence you permanently. I'm asking for some proper coin. I can help you with whatever it is you do, any weird sneaky. Well, look, I mean, I said a few coppers. That's damn near half a silver. Silver sounds more interesting than that. I'm not giving you a whole silver. And that's final. Oh, my purse! Someone, oh, this little green thing took my purse! City Watch, I saw City Watch earlier! They're all busy up at the warehouse. Now shut up! <laughs> kick her in the shin. <laughs> <Boof>. <laughs> and she, from nowhere, a rolling pin comes out and she bops you with it. Oh, like, man. What's this for a business transaction, Ven? <laughs> I tried to tell you, I'm not going to go higher than five copper. Take it or leave it. I'll find the guy on my own. <laughs> Fine. Give it a coin of. Give it over. Give it over. Like, work a little faster. I'm going to give you two have all now. Day. <laughs> and the rest when you give me the information. That's, that's not. You already talked me down. for. I was going to ask for five gold. Well, all right, Lynn. Have a nice day. I'll put the coin she, back in my purse. Okay, she's going to. Do it quick. <laughs> uh, what's your AC? My AC is 14. All right. So you definitely move out of the way as the rolling pin whooshes by your head. Swoosh. <laughs> Had about enough of this crazy bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, go ahead and make a perception check as you kind of move away from her. Perception. Ooh, oh, dang. 23. All right, so you're moving away from her as she's, like, doing her little crazy thing that she's doing. And as you kind of move back towards the intersection of the street, you notice off to your left the telltale round metal cover of a manhole. Nice. Of a humanoid hole. A, human, a humanoid hole. <laughs> yeah, I like it. All right, and that is where we will leave off for now. I'm going to remember, I'm going to remember your face, lady. (laughs) (laughs) 
I never forget a mole that size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I say to myself yeah. out of earshot of the crazy fish wife or yeah. whatever she is. And as you like hear her sounding all crazy, you're noticing the circular metal cover to your left. You can actually hear guards moving back towards this woman as she's screaming about the creature that stole her coin. Oh, dang. Okay. So that's uh, that's what we'll pick up with next time. That'll be interesting because um, humanoid covers are not light. And you typically need... Maybe like, in Waterdeep they are. They you don't know. Be, they might be wood, you know, instead of the steel that they are. And for instance, you know, uh, a contemporary city. Sure. So, yeah, could be very interesting to see. But uh, next time I'll probably try disappearing into the humanoid hole and replacing the cover quite stealthily to disappear from view to make the crazy lady appear even more crazy. True. All right. So uh, I think we will call it there. Um, I would like to, before we close off for this session, thank our Rage in the Machine patrons um, right now, we have one of those, Jesse uh, M. Thank you for being a patron. If you want to be one of our patrons and hop into the bonus episode that we're doing right after this, you can join us on patreon.com slash just barbarian things. And until next time, barbarians, spend your rage wisely. Yeah, you don't want to get stilettoed in the bird lung by a little goblin, do you? Airsack. Air sex for the win. I mean, he lived.